Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we have immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories from travelers around the world. How's it going? It is Friday. Thanks for all your kind words about Hayden's travel tips on Wednesday. It seems a lot of you guys are language learners. I love that. I think everyone should speak more than one language. It really opens yourself up to more opportunities and it gets you learning about your own language too. And that's another thing I really love about it. So it seems I'm going to be hanging out with quite a few of you guys in Slovenia, Italy, uh, San Francisco and Brazil. That's awesome. I cannot wait. If any of you other guys want to get involved, it's at Twitter at Travel Stories UK. Get in touch with me. We'll hang out. It'll be a lot of fun. So today we have on Linda and Craig Martin from the Indie Travel Podcast. Now their podcast is amazing. I love it. They're pretty much the nicest two people you can ever listen to. They're amazing. And they have such a wealth of wisdom when it comes to traveling. They've been doing it for so long that they know all the ins and outs. They've made all of the mistakes. And on their podcast, they tell you about it. And it's fantastic. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Travel Stories podcast and this is Linda and Craig Martin from the Indie Travel Podcast. Hi guys, how's it going? Good, thanks. Very good, very good. Great to be here. Awesome, awesome. Where, where is here for you right now? Whereabouts are you? We are in Bogota in Colombia and uh, just working in a little co-working space for the week uh, after a weekend of exploring. Yeah, we went to the Salt Cathedral over the weekend, which was pretty cool. The, it was an old mine, hmm. and uh, they've made a cathedral into it. No way. So it, it was an old mine, and uh, do you know roughly when they made it into yeah, the cathedral? The um, indigenous people would mine salt just from the surface, like uh, with the brine, and then they started a little bit of uh, open pit mining, and when the Spanish arrived and then a in the 19th century, 20th century, it really got industrial. Mm -hmm. And so they, the mine's on four layers at the moment. The original cathedral is built into the top layer. That's now too unstable. Mm. And so they've actually brought that down into one of the other layers. How cool. That's amazing. So yeah, it was pretty exciting. That's brilliant. What's it like when you're there? What's, what's the feeling that you get from it? Well, it was quite impressive because it's really lofty. And there's actually one high level that you can look down into the main cathedral, well, the main part of the cathedral. And it's just... No, but it's all dark, of course, because it's all underground. There were a lot of tourists around, so it was quite busy. And we also did this mining experience as an added extra where we got to put on mining helmets with, you know, lights on the front. They were really heavy. <laughs> and then we got taken through this dark, dark cave, and uh, it was completely pitch black, and it was quite scary. No way. That's so cool. Then Linda got to pick up a pickaxe and smack the snot out of a wall of salt for a little <laughs> while and uh, chip a little bit off. Yeah, and they said that I could keep the salt as my celery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's got to be on everyone's bucket list, doesn't it? Get a pickaxe to a big thing of salt. That's great. <laughs> I love it. So the Indie Travel Podcast, that's what you guys are all about. When did you start doing this? And more importantly, why did you start podcasting? We started in 2006 and we started the podcast because we were very, very bad at traveling. <laughs> we started traveling as well, full-time travelers. We left New Zealand and we just made so many mistakes. It was absolutely ridiculous. So we thought, okay, we need to tell people what not to do while traveling. And the guidebooks would tell you what to do, but they wouldn't tell you, you know, how to pack your bag or how to not forget to validate your ticket on an Italian train or where to do your washing. So we thought we'd, we'd start a blog. And a friend of ours said, no, no, don't start a blog, start a podcast. And we said, okay, 
what's a podcast? This was in, this was in 2006. <laughs> First question, yeah. Yeah, we had no idea. But on his recommendation, we, we did it and we were just recording on the internal mic on our computer. And wow, we listened to some of our early episodes recently and they were so bad, so bad. So yes, we, we've learned and it's got longer. It was just two to five minutes to start and now we're kind of aiming at around half an hour like your one. Mm. And yeah, quite pleased with how it's going. Oh, nice. And uh, what sort of things do you do you focus on? For our listeners, what sort of things do you do you focus on? Um, so is it the, do, do you still do the troubles that can happen? Is, does that come up a lot? Do, have you had that many troubles that it comes up a lot? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <I think laughs> Always adding new ones. I think that's one of the things about travel. We've been, we left New Zealand in February 2006, and we've been traveling continuously since then. Uh, but there's still new countries to explore and, and new cultural situations to get yourself into. And new mistakes things, to make. New mistakes to make, exactly. And so there's the podcast uh, follow is published every two weeks at the moment. And we either focus on a destination or a topic. And so recently uh, we did one on Cartagena in Colombia and uh, this week's episode is going to be all about Italy. And so it's destination-based or it can be uh, topical. Sometimes we talk about, for example, what to put in a carry-on bag or, like I mentioned earlier, how to wash your clothes while you're traveling, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's I, I get that a lot that it's it's very it goes over a lot of the bases with travel because like you say a lot of stuff goes wrong and then there's uh, where to go and then how to do there's a lot of stuff that you cover and that's what I love about it another thing I love maybe it's the Kiwi accent but it seems so friendly and open you know what I mean conversational that type of thing. I love that about That's what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, our, our goal is to sit down with our listeners, have a glass of wine or a beer, and and just talk travel. Yeah. Nice. We imagine that we're sitting around of an evening having a glass of wine, maybe a coffee, depending on what you prefer. We we sometimes do have the glass of wine. You might be on the tube, but you know, that's the idea. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I heard a rumor that you put the Kiwi accents on. You're not actually from New Zealand, is it right? You just do it, <laughs> do it to sound more friendly, right? <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Really, you've got big, heavy New York accents. That's what it is. I wish I could do that. That would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be great. So the story you've got for us today, where does it take place? Well, we're going to be talking about the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Fantastic. So I would imagine that it takes place in Spain. But did you do the, the French way, the Portuguese way? or Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we've done, yes to all. Okay. We've done four of the Camino de Santiago so far, and I guess we'll be merging in a, a little bit of each of them into, into the story. So we started off by doing the, the Via Francaise, the, the French way, which uh, crosses over from France and then uh, goes across the north of Spain. Next, we did the Via de la Plata, which starts in the south in Seville and is over a thousand kilometers, almost straight up into Santiago de Compostela, which is always the end point. Uh, next, we did the English Way, which starts uh, just up in one of the port towns a few days out of Santiago. And most recently, we did the Camino Primitivo, which we started in Oviedo. No way. So you guys really enjoy the Camino, right? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What What is it that you... Um that you get out of it each and every time? Oh, there's so much that we get out of it. I think a lot of it is just the freedom of walking. You know, you, you wake up in the morning and you walk and you don't have to think about anything. So you're really kind of cut off from the world, but also really in the world because you're getting back to nature. Quite a lot of the paths take you through forests or along rivers, things like that. And then there's the community because a lot of people will be staying in the same accommodation every night. So you might see them on day one and then on day four, or you might see them every night for a week. And so you build up this, these relationships with people who are doing the same thing as you. And they really understand because they are walking as well, maybe 20 to 40 kilometers. 
Mm, every day that's true and i love the way you just put that it's like you're cut off from the world but you're actually in the world i love that because you're really getting down to nature and i mean walking Mm -hmm. through walking through nature what is what is more natural than that you know what i mean it's that's great i love the way you put that so if you could give the story a name i hope that you could what would you call it oh it's a difficult one but i think i'd probably call it on the way which is suitably cheesy that is very cheesy. It's the second cheesiest we've had so far. But oh, well, only second. We need Dad. to rethink this. <laughs> I, I don't think you'll beat the, the top one. It was. Uh, it took place in the Alps, and it was called "Please Somebody Help Me," because oh. <laughs> he was stuck halfway up. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So I don't think we could have topped that even with months of preparation. <laughs> I still love it though, on the way. Okay, fantastic. So you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Linda and Craig from the Indie Travel Podcast with On the Way. So today we want to tell you our story of the Camino de Santiago. And the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage walk that goes across Spain. But you can actually start it from anywhere. You could start it from Norway or from Turkey or anywhere you want to go. Because the idea was that people would leave their house and walk to Santiago de Compostela to visit the relics of St. James. So we did our first Camino and we did the French way. They say that the starting point is on the border with France and the French Alps. But we didn't think we had enough time to start there, so we started in Pamplona. Like any uh, big trip, you start off with this feeling of, of excitement, a little bit of, of uh, indecision about what it's going to be like, and also a lot of hope. And you start off with energy and, and gusto. About two to four weeks later, you're not feeling that same level of energy and gusto anymore, which is why it's really fun to see new people join the walk along the way. I remember when we were doing our walk from Seville, so this was the Via de la Plata. We started in Seville, and we'd been walking for about three weeks, maybe four weeks by this point, it was six weeks. We were staying in a hostel, and we were just so tired. We were lying on our beds, not even talking to each other, just lying there doing absolutely nothing. And a group of school kids came in. They must have been 16 or 17. They were so energetic, so excited. They hadn't started the walk yet. They were going to start the next day. So they were talking to each other. You know how teenagers are playing games, teasing each other. And we were lying there going, shut up, just shut up, just shut up, because we were so tired. But as time went on and we saw them in the next hostel the next day and the next hostel the next day, they got gradually more and more tired and sore, basically lost their energy, which was very nice to see. Yeah, it was quite inspiring to, to walk past them as they, they hobbled along the, uh, the path for the, for the preceding days. I think there's something about this uh, this way of being on the way and being on the Camino where you're constantly passing people and being passed by people and you're constantly meeting and losing touch with and re-meeting people because everyone has their own pace. When we did the Vila de la Plata we actually started with I think five other people and we ended up walking with them for three weeks. Then we took a rest day and they went on ahead. We actually ran into them in Santiago, and that was really nice, but we hadn't seen them for the previous three weeks, so it was, it was quite cool to see them again at that point. One thing I really love about the Camino is, yeah, just finding the rhythm. Getting up in the morning, starting walking, and then, you know, you're only thinking about where you're going to sleep and what you're going to eat. And there's always surprises along the Camino as well. 
I remember in our first Camino, as we were walking, we uh, accidentally happened to be in the middle of Easter. And we, you know, Spain gets busy at Easter. And Spain gets very, very, very old-fashioned when it comes to Easter celebrations. You have people wearing the same clothes, literally in some cases the same clothes, that have been used for over 800 years in their processions. And so you have this pageantry, this, this outdoor theater that's constantly moving for a week or two. I remember one time we came into this tiny little village and uh, we, it was on top of a hill as many villages are and we got up to the top and walked in and have dropped our bags and collapsed in the, uh, the hostel that we were staying in to be offered a giant bowl of paella. And That's right, I forgot about that. We didn't speak Spanish at the time and we didn't understand why people kept saying paella, paella at us. Uh, was it some, some local uh, festival? Did we have to wear the paella? Was paella something that wasn't edified? We had no idea what was happening until we got given two giant plates of food. But later that night, we were, we were lying there and as it got dark early and we were hearing the, the stamp of feet outside, we were hearing a lot of people moving, lots of talk and uh, a little bit of music. And we said, what, what's happening out there? And we looked out the window and because it was pitch black, we couldn't see anything at all. So we put on all of our clothes once freezing. again to go out into the freezing night air. So there we were, completely freezing. I mean, I was shivering like I'd never shivered before. And we just started walking until we found this great mass of people. And we kind of joined it. And one good thing about being in the middle of a great mass of people is that it's actually quite warm. Then everyone kind of pressed back and the procession went past. They were carrying one of these big statues of Jesus. And as it went past, people started to join in. So because we were part of this great mass of people, we were pulled along and suddenly we were in this procession, which is really amazing. That was magical and completely unlike anything you'd find in a big city everywhere. So it was the serendipity of, of being on the path and being on the way that really made that special. But sometimes serendipity doesn't always work out. Like that one time that Linda managed to get electrocuted. Oh, I don't know what happened. I was just plugging in my phone or something and I got electrocuted and I'd never been electrocuted before. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know if I was going to die. So I woke Craig up. Craig up. He was sleeping in the bed right next to the electrical socket. I said, Craig, Craig, I've just been electrocuted. And he very unsupportively said, are you dead? And I said, no, he said, we'll go to sleep then. So that was uh, slightly less than wonderful. This sounded perfectly logical to me. One thing that wasn't quite logical was the time that we were going into a small village, just a crossroads, really, uh, with streets and a few shops. And on our map, a bar had been marked. Yeah. And we had been slogging through the cold and through the heavy, heavy rain with very low visibility for quite some time that day. And we were definitely ready for a stop at a bar. We'd been dreaming about this bar for the previous two hours, pretty much since we'd left our previous stop. And we were thinking, when we get there, we're going to go inside, we're going to be warm, we're going to let our clothes dry a bit, and we're going to have a glass of wine. And it's going to be the best thing ever. 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 But there was no bar. And there was no shop. There was basically just three or four houses and a tobacconist. Into the tobacconist we went. At least it was going to be dry. And using our, uh, our rather average Spanish at that point, it improved a little bit. We asked if we could buy a bottle of wine. And we were thinking, well, this must be the bar marked on the map, even though it's just signed for, for selling cigarettes. That's fine. We'll go in and we'll get ourselves a drink. 
the man behind the counter was somewhat surprised to be faced by two dripping wet foreigners asking for wine. But he was very nice. He looked at us a bit strangely and said, wine? And we said, yes. He said, okay. And then he disappeared through a door right behind him, which apparently went into his house because we could hear his mother saying something to him. He poked his head back around the door and said, red or white? We said, red. So he came back with the bottle and kind of held it up to us. And we said, yes, yes. He put it down. And we said, could you open it, please? And he said, okay. Do you want glasses? We said, yes. So he disappeared back into his house, came back with a bottle opener and the glasses and put it down. He said, oh, you can sit there if you like. For some reason, there was a table and two chairs in the window of the tobacconist shop. We don't know why, but we were very happy about it. So we sat and we drank and we talked and we drank and we talked. And after a while, this bottle of wine had completely gone and it was time for us to move on again. And this is where things got even stranger. Because if there's something odd about buying and drinking a bottle of wine in a cigarette shop, there's something even stranger about when you have to negotiate with the owner's mother over how much to pay. That's right, because the owner had had to step out and so his mum had come to, to mind the shop. So uh, we said, oh, can we pay? And we could just see conflicting emotions going over her face because she didn't know what to charge. Now we knew that this bottle of wine cost one euro in the supermarket. We also knew that a glass of wine cost one euro each in a bar. And we'd been expecting to buy a glass each in the bar. So she was obviously doing this maths as well. She thought, I paid one euro for this. What do I charge these foreigners? And eventually she said, two euros? And we said, yes, yes, that's fine. We paid it and we walked out. And I think we just laughed for the next hour. And that wasn't all to do with the bottle of wine we had just drunk on an empty stomach. No, no, of course not. No, 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 no. At least the rain had let off a bit, but we were definitely feeling a lot better after that break. And I was feeling even better five minutes further down the road as we left the village and descended a little hill to find a pub down in the bottom of the valley. If only we'd known about that. If only we'd known. So the serendipity of the road isn't just for surprising events for people walking it. There are surprising events for the people that live along the way all of the time as well. A lot of the Camino is a long, hard slog, but it's definitely worth it. And when you get towards the end of the way, you start thinking about your destination, which is Santiago de Compostela. Now, you're walking to Santiago, but it's not really the point, it's just kind of the end. So we got to Santiago and we went to Mass and we did everything you're supposed to do, but it was actually a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We had spent so many weeks on the road, so many days getting up early, strapping our bags on and, and starting to walk that we just didn't know what to do with ourselves in a city anymore. So the next day we we got up, we strapped on our bags and we started to walk. Awesome. Thank you very much for that story, guys. I absolutely love it. It's uh, it's welcome. one of it's one of those stories where it's a it's a sequence of events just all brought together in this one journey and I absolutely loved that. I was just waiting That's for great. the next part, you know, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> that story could go on for months. It really could. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Send more wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, Craig, I absolutely love it. Your um your are you dead remark. Absolutely love that. That's pure pure man logic. 
it's great. Yeah, absolutely. If there's if there's no problem, nothing needs to be fixed. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if you if you if yeah if you're alive enough to tell me about it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I love it. So, um, like I said, it sounds like you guys really really enjoy the Camino, and I can see why after the story. When when do you go out again? Do you have plans to go out again? We do. Yes, we're planning on going out in 2018. So in about two years. Uh, some of our friends, we, the last Camino we did, we went with a few friends. Well, we started with one friend, but we finished with a group of seven. I'm not quite sure how that happened. No. <laughs> but uh, our friend who we did it with had never done a Camino before. And we chose the Camino Primitivo because it was two weeks long. Mm. Because it really does start in Oviedo. It has a beginning point. Mm. And uh, we'd never done that one. So we chose that one. But she would quite like to do the Camino Frances. And we'd be interested to see how it's changed since we did it in 2008. So 2018 will be the 10 year anniversary. Ah, of course, yeah. And how long does the uh, does the French way take in in a, well, on average, I suppose? I guess about three to four weeks is a pretty comfortable time, uh, and some people do it weeks. in five. Yeah, it depends on where you start. We had five weeks, and we mm. thought we'd need to start in Pamplona rather than at the border. But um, yeah, yeah, it really depends. Like I like doing 25, 30 kilometers a day, mm-hmm. which is kind of a half day's walking, and you finish two, three o'clock, and yeah. you have the the afternoon to to relax and and read and go down to the bar with uh, people you meet along the way. Yeah, but a friend of ours is doing it at the moment, and she is powering every day on Facebook. She's putting the route that she's done and how many kilometers she's done, and it's all between thirty five and forty three kilometers, which is wow, no th- those are really big days for us. We always aim for twenty five to thirty. is absolutely perfect. Mm, no way. And do you take, so are you taking quite a big pack with you or do you pack quite lightly? Oh, you want to pack as lightly as possible. <laughs> yeah. Their recommended wisdom says that you should never pack more than about 10% of your body weight. So if you weigh 70 kilos, you should only take seven kilos mm. of, of stuff in your bag. Yeah. And if you consider maybe one kilo of that's going to be a, a big water bottle or two, three liters if you've got a, a bladder, um, that really limits the amount of stuff that you're uh, you're able to fit in there. Mm. So change change your clothes, some wet weather gear, emergency food, uh, and your the things that you need for the the way, like a guidebook and and things like that. A lot of people make the mistake of taking too many clothes. You really don't need very many clothes. You need one set of walking clothes and one set of clothes for the evening, mm. and then maybe an extra pair of undies and an extra pair of socks. I always took too many socks, and I think that's a good thing. Because if you get wet socks, you're just miserable. <laughs> That's a very good point. I kind of have that thing every time I travel. Well, it's not so much nowadays. Every time I used to travel, every single time I'd think, well, I brought too, too much stuff, way too much stuff. Like every single time, <laughs> even when I go out and I think, well, I, how am I going to survive? It's still too much. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm done. Yeah, you, you get over that quickly when you have to carry it for five or six hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm down to about five kilograms now. I think think that's about it like that's I, I don't think i can go down anymore you know five kilograms, <laughs> yeah i got five kilograms just of electronics <laughs> nice brilliant so um you said that you uh, you went with with a couple of friends on one of the times and you left with more friends are you still mm-hmm. in touch with a lot of the people that you actually met on the camino that you uh, met walking and then suddenly became instant friends with are you still in touch with a lot of those people yeah, we run into them every now and again all around the world. It's one of the, the nice things about meeting people hiking and, and meeting people that like to travel is the fact that they like to travel. So we get to uh, to run into people a, a few times. Uh, we've met up with, I think we've only met two people from uh, from our most recent Camino as we've traveled, but we're still in touch with half a dozen of them. Yeah. Mm. Ah, fantastic. I love it. So it's uh, it's an experience that brings people together. It's fantastic. I Definitely. love that. 
<laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for your story again today, guys. Really, really good. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. No worries at all. And thanks for keeping the Kiwi accents throughout the thing. I know <laughs> it's hard for you, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we've on. been practicing all week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you guys. <laughs> okay, so you guys can be found on Twitter. Am I, am I right in saying that's at Indie Travel? That's right. Fantastic. And that's I-N-D-I-E Travel. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And you guys are on uh, Facebook and online everywhere. Where can people find you? Yep, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. All of those are at Indie Travel. And also IndieTravelPodcast.com is our main website. Fantastic. Thanks very much. And is there anything you would like to leave for our listeners? Well, one question that's been helping me out a lot recently that might be great for some of your listeners is this. What's the one thing I could do right now that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? That's my, uh, my question at the moment, and I uh, hope that's good for someone. As you know, we love to travel, and I would say definitely travel, but travel light. We've talked about it before, but I'll, I can always say it again. Pack the least amount possible, and you'll have a much better time. Fantastic. I agree with both of those. Awesome. Cool. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. No worries, and I'll speak to you guys again soon. Cool. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Linda and Craig for their story, and thanks to you guys for joining us on their journey. Get in touch on Twitter at Travel Stories UK. Let me know what you think. If you enjoyed the show and you're on iTunes, please subscribe and review. Just search for the show on iTunes. You know how it is. Show notes for this episode can be found with the rest of them at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. And again, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at Travel Stories UK. This episode's question from me to you is... If you were to do a pilgrimage, where would your destination be? What's your mecca? Let me know. So, thanks again. Join us next time for another immersive, inspiring, and international travel story. And remember, there is no moment of delight in any pilgrimage like the beginning of it. Mm -hmm.